want to talk to you about creating your future again. We started this a long time ago. I forgot when. I'll try to bring you up to speed. Uh, you know, when Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, or what we call the Disciples' Prayer, Thy kingdom, thy will be on earth as it is in heaven. He, under, he, he let us in on a secret that the level of blessing on our life will be determined by our ability to pray. The level of heaven in our life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer that says and teaches us the level of heaven in your life is determined by your ability to know how to pray. Now, praying is not an exercise. Praying is something that uh, you enter into. Faith is the exercise of your faith. And faith is not something that's bland or ordinary. Faith is something that's born inside of you that calls those things that are not as though they are. Now, most of you in the room today can say, you know what? If I die, I'm going to heaven. How many of you believe that? Okay. You can't prove it to me, can you? But you just believe it, right? But most of you would be willing to die if someone tried to tell you it's not true. You'd be like, you have to kill me because I'm going to heaven. But Jesus is on the cross is for me. That's what faith is like. You know something that hasn't happened yet. You're not in heaven yet, are you? But you call yourself saved. Right? You say, I'm saved. I gave my life to Christ. All of this is something you believe that you haven't seen. It's a future that you have created by faith. You said, I believe if I say this prayer, if I believe I give my life to Christ, I believe I'm going to heaven. And that is, you have created a future because of what you believe, what you saw, what you embraced. So this is how we live our life. We walk and we live by faith. Now, we talked about um, the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 where God created the heavens and the earth. And we were looking at that, and we said that there were three steps in creation, and they were basically these three. Number one, preparation. Number two, incubation. And number three, confession. This is how God did it. If you want to work with God, you have to work like God. This is how God did it. He first prepared, Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created, uh, the Hebrew there is prepared the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. In other words, he decided first what he wanted. So you create before you create. Isn't it true? If you want to build a house, what's the first thing you got to do? You got to, well, you got to get a plan, right? You know, it takes years to get your wife settled in on a plan. If those of you guys have built a house before, you got to get a blueprint, right? Then you got to select a piece of property. You can't just go out with a stack of wood and start building and there's a thousand, most marriages don't make it through building projects because there's too many decisions. I tell my wife sometimes, like, hey, I, I don't even know how I get through a day without you telling me what to do. I, my wife has, she's not here today, so it seems mean, but I'm just saying. Women are awesome, but they do have an opinion about everything. Come on, somebody. Like, you just say, look, I just give up. You just tell me what to do. <laughs> Sounds like I need some help, some counseling maybe. No, I'm teasing. But, but it, it, when you're in this partnership with your wife, you have to decide what you both want. What, what are the chandeliers? What are the handles? What are the doors? What are you, what color? Man, there's a thousand choices you get ready to build a house. And because preparation is tough. But you know you can't just go start spending money and building a house. You don't even think about it. And it's like that with your life. You've got to sit down and create before you create. You've got to decide what you're going to do. What do you want? 
Now, see, nobody can answer that question but you. Not even God can answer that question. God doesn't know what you want. And God wants to be a partner with you. Faith is like the paint that we paint this picture with God of our life. We are like in a partnership painting this thing. And God cares what you like. Right? Now, I know you might not like a Harley Davidson, but I do. Come on, somebody. I do. It's just some, it's, I like it because it's art. It sounds like art. When those Japanese bikes come by, you're like, that ain't art. That's just a motorcycle. But a Harley Davidson comes by, like, okay, I feel something. Come on, somebody. But, you know, it's what I, most people wouldn't give you five cents. But for me, you know, I'm in. I'm totally in. Uh, yesterday I was at a parking lot, and they had a 66 um, uh, Mustang Fastback there. It was all rusty and old and awesome. And it was in the parking lot by itself. No one was looking at it, but I walked way out of my way just to walk by like, you are awesome. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> and another guy drove up like, isn't she awesome? I said, she is awesome. This is like an art show, right? I mean, we're like this. Now, some people think it's an old car that's worth about 500 bucks. But for me, that's a whole new world because I know what I like. That is what I like. Now, see, God is not going to come up with that for you. Whatever you want. See, how, here's how religious people do. Well, Lord, I'm just so spiritual. Just tell me whatever you want. When you say whatever you want and try to sound spiritual about it, what you mean is I'm too lazy to tell you what I want. I haven't actually thought it through. And most people, if Jesus walked up and said, I'll give you whatever you want, what do you want? They'd be like, uh, 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 happiness? <laughs> they wouldn't know. It seems sad, but it's true. Like I said last time, you can't, you can't get anything from Wendy's unless you know what you want. You can't be like, uh, give me some food. You got to actually know what you want. So how do you come to that point? And really, you think of the most important things in your life. What do you want? What do you want from your marriage? Just want a good marriage. What does that mean? Oh, what do you want for your finance? I just want to, duh. What about your job? I don't. See, most people are just going through the process, just trying to connect the dots and, and watch TV. But those that walk by faith have thought it through and done the preparation. And I gave you these five things a few weeks ago. You can write them down if you want to catch up. Number one, physical health. How many of you don't want to get old? You just want to die one day. I want to die healthy one day, right? I am planning on getting old. I love my mom. She, was, she died at 80 years old. And when she was in her 70s, she just tell me, I hate old people. <laughs> I'm like, you hate old people? She said, yeah. They're always talking about their medicine and their, they smell funny. And I was like, you know, my mom was like not going to be old. And either, you don't have to be old. Old is a state of mind. You can be physically healthy. Jesus had stripes on his back for that. But do you want it? See, when, when you look at the children of Israel and the promised land, God gives in the promised land, but then they have to go fight for it. God is not going to give you something that you're not willing to fight for. Let me just give you, the people that didn't go into the promised land, they were chickens. They were afraid. They wanted it, but they didn't want it bad enough to apply themselves and say, let's just get it on. See, God will test how bad you want something by whether or not you're willing to fight for it. Well, I want the second thing we said, number one is uh, physical health. Number two, of course, we, wanna, uh, we, want, we want a great marriage, right? Most of us, if, if you're married, you want a great marriage. If you're not married, you might want to be married. But either way, it's important. 
right? Of all the things you think about, think about that thing because find out what you want. God's not going to give it to you unless you know what you want. What do you want? You want a passionate, loving, faithful, godly partner. That's what you want, and God wants to give it to you. But you got to get in this game. See, the covenant is this. You bring faith, and I bring power. This is the new covenant. You bring faith, I bring power. You cannot be passive and receive something from God. You're not throwing me something, mister. you got to get in there and say, this is what I want. Right? A great marriage thing we want. We want healthy, happy, godly children, don't we? Right? That's the easy thing. That's on my list. We want to have a great ministry so that, number four, when we leave this world, we're going to have something to show for our life that's eternal. We don't want to just pass through life and miss our moment. We want to say, this is what I did for Jesus. This is my crown. This is what I'm going to throw at his feet. And then lastly, we want to have finances in our life. We want to have a, a good house and a nice car, and, and we want to be able to go on vacation and take care of ourselves and our children. These are things that it's common to everyone. Everybody say the top five. What are they? Physical health. All right, this will give you a hint. This is kind of to get you in the game because I know you want these things, but you got to start wanting them bad. What does it say in Luke? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Whatsoever things you're red hot about. Whatever things you're passionate about. Whatsoever things you're passionate about. You got you to come alive to some passion in your life. You got to say, this is what I want. This is what God has called me to have. This is what God has promised me. And this is what I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to have that. Are you, will, are you with me? Now, look, you're getting out of neutral, and now you're getting in the game because at least you got your blueprints, right? And that takes a little preparation. Honestly, sometimes I'm praying, and God will say, what do you want? I'll be like, duh. Have you ever noticed it kind of changes, right? You're like, I did want this, but I'm thinking, "Mm, maybe not that, right? Because there is a process of staying engaged in that thing. What are you asking God to do? Don't make it so complicated that you just give up. Have five things that you're believing God to do and get good at it. We said the preparation, incubation, and confession. I want to talk to you a little bit about incubation before we go. Genesis 1, 1 through 9. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Oh, this, is, this word hovering is the word incubating or brooding. Now, this is the perfect picture of everything that God gives you, your life, your marriage, your physical health, your children, your finances, your ministry. Everything comes to you in potential form. It's without form and void. It's like a big stack of lumber. Everything it, you know, some, you, darkness was on the face of the deep. In other words, uh, everything is going to start off looking not too hot. And if you're a coward, then you just run away and pretend the rest of your life. Or you say, wait a second, we've got to do something here. If God's going to give you everything, he's going to give you a potentially awesome marriage, potentially awesome health, potentially awesome ministry, potentially awesome kids, potentially now, we're going to find out about you now. We're going to find out if you're the kind of person who's going to do something with this opportunity and these promises, or are you just going to just go through your life, you know, like a dingbat? 
Just let it happen. Just see what happens. Just roll it and see what happens. Or are you going to actually get active in this covenant with God? And he says that here's what's happening. God has this dream of what he wants to do. He's got it detailed in his mind. He wants birds. He wants fish. And he, you can see he begins to create it later. But he, he's got how it's going to work. And one's going to breathe out carbon monoxide or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Dioxide, one of the two. I get confused. But, but one of uh, the humans are going to breathe in one thing and out the other. Plants are going to breathe out one thing and breathe in the other. He's got this whole thing worked out. Here's how it's going to multiply. Boom, boom. God's got it going. He's got, he knows what he wants. He prepared. And now it's time to incubate. Like a chicken on an egg. you got to brood over it. I can even, this is the sound of the Holy Spirit incubating. Kind of like a UFO. He's, now see, here's you with the Holy Spirit and the promises of God. Here's you with your potential. It's not changing. You're looking at what's without form and void. You're looking at darknesses upon the face of the deep. You got issues. They have issues. You got financial challenges. You got physical challenges. And you're looking at it and it's trying to intimidate you, but we're you with the Holy Spirit. You got your dream over here. You've got the problem right there, the potential right there. And now in the middle, see, you're going to be amazed at what can happen when you spend time with God. I'm not talking about spending time being religious. I'm talking about incubating because you're about to birth something. You're about to bring, you can't see it right now. It's an egg form right now. But you've got to incubate that thing. This is time with God. See, when people don't understand this, they resent prayer. They don't want to pray because they think prayer is just a religious exercise. But when they understand prayer is a place where you begin to incubate with God the dreams that he has for your life, for your church, for your nation, you begin to incubate those things. <laughs> Hebrews says this. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds, listen, were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now what is he saying? Let's start at the end there. He says, here's a paradigm shift. The, the natural world does not control the spiritual world. Some people think if you do this, there's going to be a spiritual reaction. In fact, it's the opposite. The spiritual world controls the natural world. In fact, God from the spiritual world spoke a word and created everything that you see. So it created, it contains, and it controls. So the spiritual world is the limitless world. The natural world is the limited world. And if you're all locked into the natural world, you're giving up your potential. You have to understand, you have to get your mind right and start understanding that you can go into the spirit and bring something from the spirit into the natural. Right? Because the spiritual world is controlling. Now listen, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance is a Greek word, and it means this, the title deed. The title deed. It means ownership. Faith is the ownership of what you hope for. Let's think about it for a minute. 
When you said that you're going to heaven one day, how many of you own that? See, faith is owning it. You've got a title, right? If I said you ain't going to heaven, it might scare you for a second. And you're like, wait, wait, hold up. I got a title deed somewhere in a file. Wait, I said that prayer. God's word promises me this. I got that. Right? So you would, you, would, you would lean on your faith and say, wait a second, I am going to heaven because what Jesus did on the cross and when he rose from the dead, I receive it. Therefore, my sins are forgiven and therefore I'm going to heaven. So you understand that there is a title deed that you have. Now listen, I'm a preacher. I have prayed with literally thousands of people at the altar to receive Christ. And I've prayed with them in auditoriums with tens of thousands of people. And I've had thousands of people raise their hand and say that they received Christ into their life. You know what? Many of those people, they come to the altar and pray and they go away the same. They came because they were emotional. They came because they were hoping. But they did not have a title deed because they didn't come back the next Sunday. They said some things. They, they repeated the prayer. But they did not release any faith. There was nothing there was no substance in there. There was no title deed. There was no knowing. There was no ownership. When I gave my life to Christ, that was it. That was over. It's over. Nobody, I've made goof ups. I've made terrible mistakes. But one thing I know for sure, I got a title deed on heaven. Come on, somebody. I, like, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It was a gift. I received it. Come on, shout with me a little bit. Right? I got a title. You got a title deed too. Come on, man. Look at you. I mean, you might have a ways to go, but you're not where you used to be, right? You might have some problems, but look, you're in the game. So, so this is a, faith is the title deed. Now, I've got to get a title deed. It's not enough for me to quote some scriptures. And by his stripes, I'm healed. 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 Is it God's will for me to heal? Yes, it's God's will for me to heal. So if I strive some heal, you can say that a hundred times, a thousand times a day. But until you get a title deed, it's not real. I don't know why some people get healed, some people don't. I don't know why some people get saved and some people don't. I don't know. But this is something, a transaction that's in their heart. I know it's real. I know the promises are true. But some people get a title deed and they know it. And some people... Just like a goose in a windstorm. They just don't get it. You're going to get it because it is the title deed. Now, see, incubation is the waiting for the title deed. And the Bible says it's also evidence. It is evidence. Now, let me just write this down with me. Uh, look at John 16, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And some people, they read it and they say, okay, what do I want? How come I didn't get what I wanted? I'm going to ask you a question. Did you abide? Did his words abide in you? Did you abide in his words? Well, I didn't have time for that. I did quote it. I did put it on the refrigerator. I did write it on my mirror. I put it on the dash of my car. That won't do it. You have to stay in it. To abide means to live in it. Get in it and live in it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you want and it will be done for you. In other words, there is a process to ask what you want. See, Jesus is not a liar. What he's saying is actually true, but it's not true for people who want an instant thing. 
mix it up and drink it. No, man, it's got to change your life. Why is abiding necessary? Why is it, see, I told you this before, God is not interested in making dependence, he's making descendants. He doesn't want to just give you fish, he wants to teach you how to fish. He doesn't want to just heal you, he wants to teach you how to heal people. And he wants to teach you how to get healed. He doesn't want to get you through the crisis, he wants to put you in a place to conquer that crisis. Are you with me? So, incubation is the process of joining what you want with what God wants. See, some people instinctively, when they hear Jesus say, ask what you want, I'll give it to you. They're like, you know that ain't true. I ask God for stuff all the time, it don't happen. Okay, you're so smart. That was too cynical. Let me try. <laughs> I mean, somehow you just got smarter than God because God said it was true. You said it's not true. I would say agree with God and you need to come up to what God is saying rather than bring God down to what you think. You need to come on up to what God, God must be saying something you don't understand. So don't get all smart about it. If Jesus said, if you, if you ask for it, you're going to receive it. He means it, but he means you're going to have to come into it. This is not playtime. This is like for big boys. This is the big boy pants. <laughs> you want to, you want to, see, I believe that the church at the end of the day looks like Jesus. It's not a bunch of admirers of Jesus. They walk like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. They live like Jesus. They do greater things than what Jesus did. So there is a process. Everybody knows, even the Lord's Prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus said it, not what I want, but what you want. And so we have this program that's wrong to want something because we have these scriptures telling us, that, hold up, hold up. In both of those situations, Jesus knew what God wanted. He just didn't, he had a struggle going with it. It wasn't as if he didn't know what God wanted him to do. So here's my point. When you're incubating, the first part of the incubation is meditation. The first part of it is, of, of abiding is meditation. Abiding, the word abiding is, a, is another form of the word incubation. It has to do with this time of being with God and abiding in what God said. If you have a sickness that's really threatening, you need to do some abiding. Don't do any quitting. Don't get discouraged. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't have visions of funerals. Don't be, get all afraid. You need to start abiding in what God said. And you need to begin to pursue God. Now listen, God, it's his will for you to have a lot of things that you don't have in your life right now. But you got to go and pray the price. Praying the price is not a religious exercise. Praying the price is coming into a title deed. Well, you own it now. You own it before you own it. You get it here. You, how many know when you get pregnant, you can't see the baby yet? But she's coming. Come on, somebody. Right? So you got you to conceive something, and it might be invisible. It's invisible for nine months, but it was there all the time. There's many things in your life that God wants to give you, but first you've got to begin to conceive that thing, and you incubate that thing. Now, this is, this is where it gets real, because sometimes what you're asking for is much less than what God wants to give you. Sometimes what you're asking for is not God's time for you to have that. It'll mess you up. God knows the whole picture, so incubation is you got to sync up with God. 
You can't just blab things and say things and write things down and confess things. You can confess things, but it doesn't change until you've been with God and you own that thing. You've got a title deed for that healing. You've got a title deed for that change in your marriage. Instead of having thoughts of, I don't know, I just feel like I'm going to quit. Stop thinking that way. You've got to get your mind around what God is doing. So first of all, you begin this way. The authority of God's word is this. Right? When you begin to say it, it's more than a thought. It's a promise. It will bring you into incubation. So it is a meditation. Incubation is saying, okay, about your children, what does God say? What does God say? Raise up a child in the way he should go when he's old. He will not depart from it. God, you said that. Ah, I'm going to abide in that for a while. My kids can be just off, but God promised me that they're not going to end up off. They're going to be on, and I'm going to meditate on that, and I'm going to be, and uh, I'm going to start incubating that promise because here's what I see. I see my kids preaching the word of God. I see my kids changing the world. I see my kids transforming everything that's around them. I've been incubating my kids, and it's based on a promise. You see, it's not on something that you wanted. I'm meditating on what God said. So every promise in your list of five should have at least one scripture that you are meditating on. Right? Let me give you an example. I'm going to run out of time. Let me give you an example. Uh, how many of you, uh, like, I have a birthday this month, and I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Don't anybody else tell, because I don't accept it. But it's one of those that kind of marks your life, by the way. It's one of those numbers that, like, you're like, only your grandpa is that old. So don't have a birthday party for me. We're not having a celebration. I don't want it coming up on the screen. Bing, bing, bing. I'm on the down low. I told my wife, no parties because I'm not going there. I didn't mind being here, but I ain't going there. And you say, Pastor Ray, how can you say that? Well, you know. There's a scripture in Job that says, I will restore to you the years that the, that the locust and the canker worm ate up. Now, I've had a few years taken from me, and I want them back. <laughs> now, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to magically change my age, but he can extend my life by the years they were stolen. I know how many they were. I, I, I know how many were stolen from my life. And I, I, I got a number in my mind about that. And I'm saying I got a scripture in Job that God can restore years. Look at somebody, if they're a little bit older, say, don't worry, God can restore years. Plus there's plastic surgery. Come on, somebody. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But God can restore years. This is, this is true. This is my true life. And, and I, I, I believe because ultimately I could not do the things I'm doing if I thought I was an old man. I'd be planning my daggum retirement. Excuse the French. <laughs> Most people at my age are looking for retirement or a retirement home or some situation. I'm looking at conquering. I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm running a young man's game. I got to be a young man. I got to think like a young man. I got to be strong like a young man. And I know just the one to get it from. I got to promise that he's restoring to me all the years that the enemy stole from my life. I'm standing on his promise. I'm standing on his word. God can restore years. Come on, just lift your hands. I'm receiving those years back. Some of you gave 10 years to the wrong man. God can give you those years back. You say, I gave the best years. You're getting those best years back of your life. 
You look at all the time we wasted, God can give it back to you. God can give it back to you. Moses at 80, he's going in to confront Pharaoh. God extended his life to finish his purpose. He restored his youth. Doesn't the Bible say he'll restore your youth like the eagles? He will. He can. But if you don't believe that promise, you just get old. You start talking, oh, oh my back, oh, my knee. I feel like I'm supposed to be arthritis, my bursitis. <laughs> I fell off. There was a time that I wouldn't have fallen off. <laughs> but I want to tell you the honest truth. If you start speaking God's word, suddenly you're, you'll get that Popeye. Pop, 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 pop. You start getting that Popeye, you'll be lifting more weights than you ever lifted, running longer than you ever ran. You'll start doing things you didn't think you could do. You, you're just thinking too old. And God said, I'm about to restore your years. Then I have another scripture from Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, God gives us a promise. He said, you got more than your share of trouble, therefore I'm returning double back to you. Double for my trouble. You, it might rhyme to you, but to me, it's a promise. I'm abiding in it. I'm incubating it. Wait a second. I had a certain amount of years God said to restore. I want double. So I know exactly. You don't know how old I am. I know how old I am. Because I can do whatever a man that age can do. That, that music means I'm done. <laughs> I got carried away. Incubation. Is meditation. So don't just ask for something. Find a scripture and get serious. Don't just say, buy a stride something. Don't, don't just do something on the top of your head. Get in it. Live in it. Abide in it. Let his word abide in you. See, because you're about to release something. You got to wait. It's like, you know, that baby, you can't have a baby till it's time. At three months, you don't have a baby. But you got to go nine months. You're about to release something. So you got to incubate something. Don't just be saying the first thing comes to your head. Get, put some depth to it. Give some gravity to it. Begin to see it. Begin to embrace what God promised for your children, for your physical health. See, when you begin to prophesy over your kids, it's going to mean something because you, you've been incubating something. You're going to say the exact right thing. When you get ready to release something into the spiritual realm over your children, over your finances, over your marriage, it's going to have some power to it. Right? That's what power is. Pow. It's not going to be a whimper. It's going to be pow. Something's going to explode because it didn't come from your head. It came from somewhere inside of here. Well, you said, I own this. I own this. And when you confess, you're releasing something. You don't have to wonder, I wonder if it's God's will. I wonder if it's God's timing. You answer all that during incubation. While you're incubated, see, there comes a moment. doesn't say in Genesis, and God said... Let there be light. There was light. There's a let there be light moment. For, don't fake it. There's a let, wait till you get the let there be light moment. That's what the incubation is. The let there be light moment is when God said. Now, see, God saying in his word is one thing, but God saying to you is a rhema. God saying to you has power. You sometimes, it takes a month. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes six months. But don't you get discouraged if God promised it to you, it's coming to your life. It might be bigger than what you thought. It might be better than what you thought. 
It might be different than what you thought, but this is not a, a religion. This is a relationship where God wants to get inside of you and you get inside of him and he brings forth your future. He brings forth his plans. He brings forth his dreams and you become his partner. So this is only my first point, but we'll finish some other time next week, baby. But this is enough, right? It's enough for today to just digest. Stand up with me. I mean, when the piano player is playing, that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't stop it. It's over. <laughs> I think Johnny Carson started that. The piano player's like, it's over. Time for a commercial. But you know what? It's okay. If you don't mind, just lift your hands. Look, I don't want you, first of all, to receive God's love. He loves you. With all your mistakes, with all your goof-ups, with all your imperfections, God's not concerned about your imperfections. God loves you, and he has a great plan for your life. And he alone has the power to change you. He alone has the power to transform you. Don't look to any other source, to school or to friends, but he has the power to bring a transformation in your life. Look to him. Don't look to the hills where your help comes from. Look to Jesus. Right, you're going to have that. Look, you are special to God. And you don't have to be super spiritual. You just have to have a moment of faith. You don't have to be the most spiritual guy in the room. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You just need to know the promise that's most important to you. And you got to reach hold of it with your whole heart. And you got to abide in it. And you got to wait for that activation. You got to wait. You got to incubate until you have a thus says the Lord. Until something explodes inside of you, incubating over those children, incubating over the promises of God, incubating over your business, over your ministry, over your finances. Look, this is a this is a great moment for your life. Prayer's about to become fun for you. Prayer's about to become exciting for you. You're about to find a place to incubate. You're about to find a time to incubate because it's losing its boring edge and it's coming into something so exciting. So if you don't mind, just lift your hands. I just want you to receive that God loves you. And some of you, you've been goofing up because you've been discouraged and you've been depressed and you've been self-destructive and you think for sure now God doesn't love you. But he does love you. And he's going to change you. And all of that darkness, all of that wound, all of those fears, they're leaving your life. you got to step in out from under that and step into the realm of faith. You gotta come above this line. You can live under there where all where it's all dark and without form and void or you can come above it and you can begin to hover over that problem with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Now while your hands are lifted, say, Look, Lord, I receive your promises over my life, over my physical health, over my marriage, over my children. Just going to pray for someone because I, I felt the Holy Spirit say rejection. Some of you feel rejected. Some of you feel like the reason my kids are the way they are is because of something that you did, and the enemy's condemning you and he's trying to tell you you deserve that and you did that to them. Right now, that's a lie from the devil. That's God has the power to cancel every argument against your children. And listen, look, you cannot accept condemnation. You cannot accept shame. And you cannot accept, I deserve this terrible thing. Some of you are struggling with a sickness and you think, well, I, I can deal with this. Listen, you need to reject that right now if you don't mind. 
if you've been dealing with those feelings of unworthiness right now reject those things in Jesus name just say out loud say I reject every word of condemnation I reject a critical spirit God is not criticizing me God is building me up the enemy is the criticizer of the brethren and you will not listen to his voice another day the blood of Jesus has cleansed you and cleansed your path and your past and he's setting your foot on a new highway you got to come into the future and you got to stop living in that past new things are coming new things are coming new things are coming new things you got to completely let go of all those mistakes even if you made them yesterday you got to let go of all that they will not define you you are defined by the promises of God you are defined by the love of God you look like him you are made his image and his likeness you are the joy of his life you're the love of his heart you are the apple of his eye and he's going to finish the work that he started in you now just lift your hand and say thank you Lord you're good and you love me come on prophesy with me say all the promises of God are mine in Jesus all the good things that God promised me I receive them right now I accept the promised land is mine and I make a quality decision I'm willing to fight for it I'm willing to enter into the realm of faith. I declare over my life, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let heaven come to my home. Let the abundance of heaven, the abundance of blessing that's in heaven, let it come to my house. I receive it. It begins with me. It begins today. It begins right now in Jesus' name. It's because of his blood. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I release my faith and I receive God's dream into my life. Now come on, just incubate that for a second with the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? You're getting healthier right now. Those cells, the Lord is arresting cancer cells and removing them from your body. The Lord is removing disease right now from your body. The Lord is removing fears from your soul, sickness from your soul. He's removing it from you right now. Come on, right now. Look, he's here. He's right now. Faith can happen right now. Now faith is the substance. Right now, just receive in your marriage a healing in your marriage. Receive a healing in your, in your spouse receive that the Holy Spirit is beginning to work with your children right now come on get with God on this deal come on in your in your ministry God is about to open up doors that have been closed for a long time God's about to begin to release an anointing over your life he's gonna unlock something that was locked up come on God's about to open up a promotion in your life God's about to remove failure from your life and crown you with prosperity. And God's about to promote your life. Do you believe it? Just receive. Father, in Jesus' name, we seal this word over your people. 
we thank you that they've begun a step in a journey. But thank you that this journey begins, Lord, with your dream and your purpose coming to pass in their life. We rejoice in the goodness. We rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Father, lead us, teach us, transform us, and change us, and bring us to the place that you call us to. We receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody say, I receive. Jesus as the Lord of my life. And I receive all that belongs to him is mine now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can you give the Lord a great shout, everybody? Come on, give God a great shout of praise. Hallelujah. Love y'all. Hug somebody your way out.